Are you ready to have an open and honest discussion about sex and spiritual wellness without secrets, censorship, or barriers? This is Unbuckled with your host, Christy Ann Bella. In this program, there are no topics that are off the table, from religion to health, feelings to sexuality. Get ready to hear from some incredible people. And now, here's Christy Ann Bella. Hello and welcome, everyone. This is Unbuckled. I am your host, Intimacy Architect, Christiane Bella. And today, um, today we are going to talk about abortion. Um, So, yeah. (laughs) I mean, I don't know that there's, you know, it's it's just such a heavy, hot, uh, very intense energy topic. I don't think there is a a buffer to sugarcoat um, our way into this. So what even made me think about this in the first place was um, I had gone to see a fantastic movie, by the way, um, The Summer of Soul. Um, So it's only playing at like these art house uh, indie theaters, at least here in Nashville. And um, and it it was at a, a place where they do a lot of revival movies. And so they had a poster up for Fast Times at Ridgemont High. Um, and I was like, immediately when I saw it, I was like, oh, and it like hit me and I like felt it because my memory of that movie um, is of the whole abortion that that occurs. Like the, the girl gets uh, knocked up and has to go. And like, I think her brother even like, she like takes herself to the clinic um, and, and the, the guy who knocks her up, like is a no show. And so her brother ends up, um, like picking her up or something, but yeah, it, um, it just really took me back. And so for those of you who haven't seen, um, Cameron Crowe in, it's like the early eighties. Um, it was like when Sean Penn was like nobody <laughs> and, and he plays this like stoner dude. And, and so it's a movie as Cameron Crowe often did, um, like loosely based, on on his life to some degree it has it has some some autobiographical themes um in it but overall is the story of of you know like coming of age teenagers in southern california um in the 80s and and so yeah so you know the poster hit me it it reminded me of of the whole uh sequence that plays out um and then reminded me of course of my own abortion experiences um and so, so yeah, so I've been, I've been kind of thinking about that. And then I was home yesterday. I, uh, I gave myself a mental health day and I was just resting and having a, what I call red tent time. So when I get my um, monthly cycle, my period, my, my menses, whatever lingo you use for that, I um, just, you know, really let myself have a day to rest and like go inward. And so I was watching um, on Netflix the movies that made us. And one of the movies was Dirty Dancing, which of course has, again, this like really deep um, piece about abortion and which I think gets, you know, often overlooked. Um, And when I actually first saw that movie as a kid, I had no fucking idea at all. Like what the hell was happening? You know, I just knew the girl got sick and the doctor came and he like saved the day. Um, But I really didn't get it. I, you know, I, I, I kind of got that she was pregnant, but I, I really didn't understand the, the whole like abortion concept um, until much, you know, until I saw the movie uh, much later in my, 
well, in my later teens when I had my first abortion. Um, so I will obviously, I would think from the tone of this conversation, um, am in favor of abortion. I, uh, there was actually, I know I'm talking a lot about movies. There's another wonderful movie um, that's more of, I don't even know what you would call it if it's considered a documentary called Freakonomics. Um, these like super uber mathematician science guys, they wrote a book, actually Freakonomics and, and tons of other books, um, but they do a movie that highlights kind of some of the key things that they found in math. And one of the things they found, um, they do it in kind of this vignette style um like an it's a wonderful life, but sort of the flip side, like how it actually could have been a better life if you weren't born. Um, and they talk about, you know, the statistics of at the point in which, and uh, I want to say it was like Romania or somewhere where they did not have abortion and here where abortion did become legal, um, the the shift that happens in crime, you know, and, and how much um, poverty um they believe crime and poverty were, you know, to some degree uh, diminished, if not like drastically, you know, shifted because abortion was an option. Um, so, you know, it's it's an interesting debate, obviously, and, and we continue to debate. And here I am in Nashville. I think our current state is the is the heartbeat bill, which is some bullshit that at six weeks. That's like your abortion cutoff, which is, I mean, most people don't even know that they're pregnant six weeks in, um, which is, you know, the challenge with legislation and having legislation made by, <laughs> by people who it's not directly affecting. Um, and you see tons of, not only can you get a license plate here that is anti-abortion, you can like pay money to get a, a personalized license plate that's pro-life. Um, but I mean, there's signs everywhere from like every church organization. And I was reading on Instagram the other day, someone brought up, you know, how it's kind of a cycle infrastructure, you know, so it's like the church will convince the the poor woman to not have an abortion. And then they kind of become dependent on the church. Um, Cause you know, the, the likelihood is that, you know, the, the woman that you're convincing to not have an abortion um, because God will save her is is someone who has nothing else, you know, who doesn't have any sort of family structure or financial way to support themselves or this child. And so, you know, then they become part of, of the system. Um, and, and, you know, and living in the state with abstinence only education, which is, you know, the biggest joke. So we have one of the highest teen pregnancy rates. You can't get an abortion and we're teaching abstinence only education. This is why I'm here to unbuckle the motherfucking Bible belt because it, you know, the power to choose and the power to be informed is so important. Um, you know, if you're a teen who gets pregnant and you decide you really want to keep that baby, I mean, that's your choice. Like I'm, I'm not advocating that you, you should or shouldn't do anything. What I'm an advocate for is, is empowerment, education, and choice that you, you, you have all of the options and all of the information and you are as empowered and informed as possible when you're making a choice. So, you know, I think education needs to include all the facets of how babies are made, you know, what pregnancy actually entails, 
um, pre-cum and, and, you know, the trace amounts of sperm and how pulling out is not a great method. Um, Cause was that, was that the first time I, yeah, that was the first time I got pregnant was the, the pullout method. So I can assure you, you know, I, and I've had, I've, I've also used the rhythm method and been much more aware and understanding of my period um, and my cycle in order to make the pullout method a viable option. But it, I mean, you know, I don't think women are taught enough about their period and their cycle. Um, and I actually have a great episode with a period specialist. It was one of the first episodes I ever did. Um, I think it's like hot, heavy and hormones with uh, Sophie Shepard, who has a show on here as well. Um, she is, uh, she talks health and yeah, I mean, just knowing, knowing about your period and your body and how you cycle and, and everything is, is incredible. Not just for your mental, you know, obviously for, for sexual and procreation reasons, um, but also just, yeah, your mental and, and emotional health as well. So, yes, um, take a breath, take a sip of water here. So, yes, so this brings us back around to, yeah, being inspired to talk about my, my abortion story. I saw Amanda Palmer in, a, I want to say it was like 2019. It was right before shit hit the fan. Um, she came, she was actually doing a tour um, where she sang numerous songs about her abortion experiences and told in like great detail, um, very heartwarming and moving stories about having abortions, about actually giving birth to her child, about having a miscarriage. And I mean, I think these are just so important because they are not conversations that typically are had. Um, I, I did not have a sex talk with my parents. I had a very loose um, sex ed that was like, you know, fallopian tube, um, penis, sperm, sperm, eggs, make baby, very, like very rudimentary um, and very like just science, super science focused. Um, yeah, I, I remember getting my period and, you know, my family still kind of referred to it as like the curse or like, you know, the, the ant flow is visiting. I mean, just a very like old outdated uh, concept of of being with your cycle. And, um, and yeah, so when I, when I started having sex, I knew of condoms just because um, I, you know, being a child of the the late eighties and nineties um, in the midst of like AIDS epidemic condom, you know, that was a huge thing. Like condoms prevent AIDS must use condoms. Um, and I was aware that condoms also prevented pregnancy, but like the AIDS was the main thing. Like, you know, make sure you use condoms. You don't want to get AIDS. Um, so when I first started having sex, I, <laughs> I always intended to use a condom. Um, but, you know, the first person was like, Oh, I haven't had sex with anybody else. Um, and so I often did default to, to letting him slide, which I feel like is a whole nother conversation about coercion and, um, safe sex. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, not really, not really having the safest practices. Um, and so, so I was 16 and yeah, and, and attempted the pullout method, uh, knowing nothing about my ovulation cycle, knowing nothing at all. I, I was operating under the uh, false, somewhat false idea because again, you know, 
your body is such a delicate thing. It is possible sometimes that your your menses and ovulation will overlap if things are like kind of off in your system. Um, so yes, I was operating under the idea that you couldn't get pregnant on your period, which not entirely true. Um, but you know, if you really understand your cycle, yes, like ideally, you know, the only time you really are in like the peak window of pregnancy. Um, there's like this three-day window of ovulation. And then even there, you know, it changes over time and obviously narrows. Um, but yeah, I had no idea. I had no idea about anything. Um, just, you know, my goal was to try to keep the sperm out of um, out of my body, you know, so that it didn't get to my uh, my eggs. And so the pullout method seemed, you know, uh, like I didn't know anything about like pre- pre-cum um, and, and that there's like, you know, some amount of sperm and pre-cum um, and that varies depending on like how often the person, you know, is ejaculating. And I mean, there's just so many variables. So needless to say, I get pregnant and uh, I, I start to, I guess, have would possibly would have led to a miscarriage. I honestly don't know uh, because I, I was choosing not to have the child regardless, but I had uh, cysts on my ovaries. And so what actually spawned me to even go to the doctor in the first place was I, um, I had horrible, horrible pains. And um, so I went to the doctor and I had a cyst on my ovary had burst, but you know, they run all, you know, a pregnancy test and everything when you go in for gynecological stuff. So the pregnancy test turned out positive and, um, and my mom was not pleased. Um, and we were dealing with it amongst ourselves. She didn't want to tell my father. Um, and the guy who impregnated me was of course, like the person my parents hated more than anyone. He was like this really thuggy wannabe gangsta, um, kid who, you know, just, <laughs> just like, trouble, um, trouble all the way. And so, yeah. And I mean, I, I had no intention. I was like, Oh hell no, I'm not like going to be a teen mom. Like that. Is, that is so not the world. Um, and I was incredibly grateful for the, for the fact that I lived in California and I could easily, I think, I think I had a 48 hour waiting period. Um, but yeah, it was just like, you know, like right there at that same clinic was like, okay, well, we need to take care of this. So, um, and it's handled really poorly. And that was something that touched me um, when, you know, Amanda Palmer talks about privilege and, and luxuries and, um, you know, because it wasn't like, you know, it was like, it was like a spot in Van Nuys, California, which is like, you know, low, low middle class. Um, so it wasn't like some like hardcore, free clinic type place where, you know, but it, it still wasn't pleasant. And, and I think it's funny. I was recently watching, um, the politician, which is this great series on Netflix. Um, and there's a whole abortion scene that happens in that. And they're in this like beautiful, pristine, like it looks like, you know, some like foo-foo Beverly Hills, like everything's all nice. And like, you know, and they're in these fabulous outfits 
and the nurse comes over and she's like, oh, it's your turn. And she's like, I'm going to go in with her. And I'm like, this is so not how that fucking happens. Like you're, you know, you're in like a big ass waiting room with like people in gowns and everyone's like super freaked out and no one wants to like look at each other because it's like so full of shame. And there's just like this uckiness and like, you can't have anybody go in there with you and like hold your hand and shit. Um, and I opted to get fully knocked out. So I remember, was it the first, I think it was the second time actually. Um, but I had an anesthesiologist like actually like yelling at me cause I was like crying and they're like, you can't cry. You need to stop crying. We need to give you this anesthesia. Like we've got to like get on, like we have a schedule here. Like, you know, um, it was horrible. So, so yeah, so you go through, you know, this, this really cold, impersonal, um, very like isolating feeling situation. This very, like very clinical, you know, medical, like, uh, and, and at the end of it, then you wake up in this room with a bunch of other women people who are crying and, and, and there's just like these like groans of like agony. Cause it fucking like, Oh my God, I was in so much pain afterwards. Like it felt like somebody had like, like kicked a, like a steel boot, like through my ass and out of my belly button, like my whole pelvic floor and like abs and, and, and everything just felt horrid. Um, and and yeah, so it's it's just very, very sad situation. Um, not, you know, and, and I don't know if that gets better the more money you have. <laughs> um, Amanda Palmer certainly seemed to think so. And and I imagine, you know, as with most medical procedures, it probably does. The, you know, the more money you have, the the less uh like like cattle prodding it it seems. Um but yeah, so it, you know, it wasn't a pleasant experience. Um and then, uh, you know, on top of that, hiding it from my dad and, and like other family members, um, just adding to the, the secrecy and the shame of, of these things that we try to bury. And so, you know, absolutely no regrets there at all, though, like as atrocious and, and, um, and shitty the overall like having to do it experience was um, that guy we'll call him Tyler. <laughs> Tyler went on to get um, someone else pregnant in their early twenties. Um, he actually got, I think two other girls pregnant besides me in, in, in his younger days. And, and, and as far as I know, they didn't have the kids either. Um, but I know one who did. I know one who did. Um, and he he just totally bailed. Like he like he was half in it for the first couple of years. And then at some point he um developed this like hardcore pill addiction and and like just totally bailed and disappeared on that kid. So yeah, am I fucking glad that I didn't have, you know, his baby at 16? You bet your ass. Um did I get a little bit more sex education at that point? Kind of by default. Then it was like, well, you really should be on the pill. Um, and, and also kind of this battle of, well, we don't want to give you like my mom and uh, she had a friend who she would always go and like ship me off to this woman's house. Um, when my, my mom was like, oh, you're too much to deal with. So, so this other woman was always chiming in. 
And, and so like there was this debate that I was watching them have like about me where like they're like, oh, should we give her the pill? Should we not? Are we encouraging her to have more sex if we give her the pill? Are we? And I was just like, this is ridiculous. Um, so in the end, I did not end up taking the pill. Um, and, and I did for a good stint of time make sure I always use condoms like that, that definitely, I definitely went through a like hardcore, no glove, no love, um, phase after that. Um, still, yeah, still didn't have any kind of sex conversation with my mom about sex or sexuality or, or anything of that nature. Um, and yeah. And, uh, still not even showing up in high school either. I don't really remember a a official like sex ed class in high school at all. Um, and at the time I did not know anyone else either who had gotten uh, pregnant. So I was the first, but then shortly after um, I think like two girls I knew whose boyfriends were actually friends with that, that, uh, that guy who knocked me up initially Um and they ended up keeping their kids and like one of them last time I saw them was working at like Taco Bell and stuff. So, um, so yeah, you know, teen pregnancy, definitely not in all cases, but you know, certainly can limit your world. Um, I did know one woman who got pregnant as a teen ended up becoming a nurse, but then her teenage daughter got pregnant when they were like 19 or 20. Um, and like, they were all like living together in the same house, which I mean, you know, Hey, if that's what floats your boat, but I I think it's interesting, like the patterns, you know, that like here you were a teen, you know, pregnant mom and, and still didn't have, um, the education and the information available to, you know, a degree that, you know, that history doesn't repeat itself. Um, because I mean, what is it like, you know? Like how developed is your brain even at 16? Like, I mean, it really isn't. So, so this idea of like attempting to parent someone else is just kind of insane. Um, so then, yes, I, I went on without regret. Um, and then at 17, just before I turned 18, I met someone who I really did thought I was like, oh my God, I love you. And we're going to like live together and we're going to like do the thing. Um, and he was much older than me. And so when he, um, and I, and we actually used, we tried to use spermicide, um, which did not work because I ended up pregnant again, because I did not understand enough about my body and my ovulation cycle because spermicide is not enough of, you know, if you're not ovulating and you're using a rhythm or pull out method and you use spermicide, then you're, you know, guaranteed to kill any, um, sperm in the pre-com if, some cum should come out before the person withdraws, Um, you know, but it's not, it's not a method that you should use when you're ovulating. It's just, you know, it's far too risky. So um, this is why it's important to learn about your period and your cycle and to really understand how your menses work and um, to know the difference in your body temperature when you're ovulating, because not everybody, you know, you're supposed to ovulate ideally seven, uh, what is it? No, it's 10 to 14 days from your, uh, your the first day of your period, but not everybody does. Um, so, you know, learning 
temperature and, and all of these other factors that go into it. Um, I myself got an Ava, which is like this bracelet that you wear at night to sleep. And it, uh, it checks all of these things to kind of give you a scale of where you are in the ovulation slash about to get your period cycle. Uh, so anyways, back to, we'll call him Tom, <laughs> Tom, Tom impregnates me. Um, my parents now this time, because I actually did debate on keeping it um, because I was like, Oh, he's like a grown ass man. He has a job. He has like a place to live. Um, but he also, you know, he had a lot of fucking baggage. Cause I mean, you're 20. What was he? He was like a 24, 24, 25 year old guy dating a 17 year old person. I mean, come on. Um, <laughs> and, and I'm going to say this to any young person listening, like if you're out there and you're like 16, 17, whatever, um, and you're dating some older person who's like in their like, you know, mid twenties or something that does not make you mature. That makes that person like fucked up. Like odds are that person is like really immature and unhealthy and has a lot of like Peter Pan syndrome issues. And, and, um, yeah, there's a reason why people their own age are not dating them. So, <laughs> So just take that into consideration um, for what that's worth. So yes. So then I get pregnant again. I think about keeping it. And um, and actually the turning point, because I almost went to one of those churches. Like I was like waiting for the bus one day. And I don't know if it was at the bus stop or if it was just like a billboard nearby the bus stop. But there was one of those like, it's, you know, save the baby Jesus uh, poster things. And I'm like crying. And at this point, um, I'm going to an alternative school and I am, um, it's kind of like a one-on-one thing. And so you really get to know your teachers. And so my teacher drives by, sees me crying at the bus stop, picks me up, like offers me a ride, and we start talking and he essentially is like, yeah, don't go to that fucking thing. Cause they're going to convince you to like have the baby. And, and do you really want to have this baby? Do you really want to have the baby with like, you know, this like guy, you know, and he was trying to say in a nice way, um, kind of the same thing I just addressed. Like there's something wrong with an older guy who's, you know, dating a high schooler. Um, and, you know, and what, yeah, what did I really want? you know, with the rest of my life. And, and was it really to be a mother right now? Um, and so, yeah. So then I was like, yeah, I can't, I can't do this. So I, I go back um, and his parents actually were super Catholic. And so they were not pleased. And they, they tried to talk to my parents to convince my parents to convince me to have the baby. Um, and, you know, my mom was like, fuck no, that she is not having a baby because like, I'm not getting stuck, you know, raising her fucking kid. Um, and, and so, yeah, so I went, um, had my second abortion, uh, you know, same, same deal, like very cold, cold, sad um, situation. And here's, here's a big important piece that I discovered way later um, with my sisterhood and with my circle of friends and with, and with the, the tribe of amazing divine coven, witchy goddesses um, that have been in my life that have taught me traditional ways and, and, and ways of the ancestors and, um, and, and various connections to that, that true divinity, um, you know, when handled properly, 
Um, and abortion is, I mean, I, I mean, I think it's an amazing opportunity because we absolutely like this has gone on for generate, you know, I mean, people used to do this with herbs, with, 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 with ritual, um, with reverence for, you know, there is a, a death cycle and there is an important part when, when you know what is the alignment um, and what is the, what is the way to allow for life and death um, to move through its cycle? And so, so years later, um, I actually did beautiful, beautiful ritual um, with friends to, to go through the process of like birthing these children and, and allowing them to like release and release their spirits and release their energy um, and make my peace with them. But yeah, the, you know, the, the, the traditional Western way is, is pretty cold and clinical and uh, yeah, definitely, definitely lacking in compassion for fucking sure. So, um, so at this point though, I go on the shot, um, which thank fucking God, I did not stay on very long because, you know, like so many shitty things in, in Western medicine, um, there were like horrific side effects and, and stuff that came of it. But I, I was on it for maybe like a year maybe even less than that. Um, and so then that was like, okay, you know, now I have this steady boyfriend and, you know, I, I pretty much moved out of my parents' house shortly after that and, uh, and went to live with him for a period of time. But he went on also to have a kid. Uh, he knocked up somebody else a couple of years after we had broken up, um, who was also younger than him. She was, I think she was at least over 18 this time. Um, but yeah, like way younger than him. And somebody told me once they went to his house and he was like holding the baby with one hand and a bong with the other. And I was like, yeah, fucking thank you, God. I made the right choice yet again. Um, so, you know, and also not, you know, knocking like I know there's very healthy parents who do partake, but there's definitely a, a you know, a fine line of uh your personal choices um, and, you know, and your parental obligation, so to speak. Um, And so the third and final abortion that I had was way later. um, I was with my first husband at the time before he was my first husband and I was cheating on him all the time. Um, Because that was, before I had language for polyamory or an understanding of an ethical way to go about being non-monogamous. So I had cheated on him and that person, we actually used a condom, um, but the condom broke because <laughs> there is that chance. Um, and, and so it did. And, uh, and it was before plan B, cause I was actually with this same guy later and the same thing happened, but thankfully at that point, <laughs> there was plan B. And, and so I immediately went and got a plan B, but this time um, being that there was no plan B and I did not actually, again, it was one of those things where I didn't find out I was pregnant until like I was sick. Um, and I, I was actually at work and um, I like, I honestly thought I was having an appendicitis or something. I was in so much pain. Um, and so I went to the hospital 
And they, of course, automatically run a pregnancy test anytime a woman comes in with any problem, pretty much. And um, and it turned out I was pregnant. And uh, and so that one got really messy. That was like soap opera style, like messy because I I didn't want uh, Josh to know I had cheated on him. <laughs> and so I tried to play it off like he was the one that got me pregnant, but. Um, but he knows because he every time he would take the condom off, he would tie the condom in a knot. And so he was like, I know none of our condoms have broken. So I find this very hard to believe that I'm the one that got you pregnant. Um, so, yeah. So then, you know, it it, uh, it eventually came out um, that, yeah, that I was cheating on him and um, and somebody else got me pregnant. Um, so, yes, yeah, so I was a big old mess and and. And back, I want to say to the same clinic in Van Nuys, like I think every time, um, and same, same sterile experience. Um, and so, yeah, so it was after that, then, you know, I did a lot of healing work, a lot of healing womb work. Um, so yeah, if you, you know, if you have had an abortion, I would highly, highly suggest you look into do, um, some womb healing work, some meditation work, um, you know, definitely run, let your body go through the process of, of uh, releasing that energy, um, you know, deep, deep forgiveness work. I, you know, I did a lot of um, work on just compassion on making, you know, having compassion for myself to make that choice and trust um, the alignment and the, and, um, and I think, you know, for me, I guess to some degree easier because I, I never wanted to be a parent, honestly, um, only in the last you know, a few years since Marcin and I have been together, have I ever even entertained the idea of, of being a parent? So, you know, I, I think that certainly makes making a choice like this uh, a little bit more cut and dry. Um, but yeah, a lot of, you know, a lot of second chakra work. So hip energy, um, you know, doing things like, like hip movement, hip circles, um, you know, sending healing light, visualizing, you know, gold and white light in, in your womb, in your, um, in your body. Yoni eggs can also be great for this. Rose quartz and jasper, you know, yoni eggs um, that you can actually put inside. Um, or if you just have crystals, you can just rest them outside of your body, just resting them on your belly, on your womb. Um, and using, you know, healing energy. Breathing work, you can do a nice humming breath, you know, really soothing humming breath um, and just really breathing into the belly, just like, you know, letting the body expand and just feeling that, that release and that cleansing, that, that clearing energy um, and just really honoring the interconnectedness of it all that, you know, there's nothing that we're not connected to and even in, in death and release, things are still connected and intertwined and uh yeah just really you know trusting trusting yourself um i i honestly yeah i mean i'm i'm still in a place where i absolutely have no regrets and i feel like i've done a lot of work to to feel at peace with myself i think you know so much of of the shame and the guilt that we feel anyway is external is societal stuff. Um, is this idea that you should be ashamed that you were a slutty person who got pregnant in the first place and 
ashamed that you're some fucking kind of like fetal baby killer for not having a child that you don't want. I mean, I can't think of, you know, like I had a really fucked up childhood, um, but you know, as fucked up and as shitty, you know, it's like, I still, still had this idea that like, you know, my life was wanted. Um, and I've seen it. I've seen it in people whose parents like didn't want them and felt like stuck with them and felt like, like, what the fuck are you even here for? Like, you know, I wish I would have like done something else. Um, and it it is a really, this like forsaken feeling that, um, yeah, I mean, I think it's, it's really hard to receive, to receive love when, when you feel like you're this like burden, um, this unwanted burden and, and, you know, and the potential for, you know, resentment is, is really, really deep there. Um, you know, and I know a lot of people who, who got adopted, whose parents, you know, gave them up for adoption. Um, no, I mean, they, you know, we all have shit, I guess that, you know, everyone's fucked up in one way or another. Um, so, you know, which, which choice is the best choice? I mean, that's, you know, that's fully on you. Um, you know, part of me never wanting to have kids was I, I didn't want to be pregnant. Um, so, so whatever, you know, path you take to make your choices, I think the important thing is that you have as much accessibility and information to make choices and have access to the choices that you desire. And that is, you know, my hope for, are now forget our fucking future. Like that is my hope, you know, for change now is that, you know, we are, and, and this show and, and many things out there like this um, are being a part of the, the shift in culture and society in our own mental and emotional and spiritual state and the way we live and the way we interact, that we are creating a space where, you know, the information and education about our bodies, about our sexuality and the options to make choices um, from a place of empowerment and an option, you know, that we have all the options available to us um, because that is, you know, the greatest gift of humanity. I mean, that, that is, I think the, the right that we owe to everyone is that they have access to information and options um, and to trust each other to choose what is the best thing for us and, you know, to, to really be aware of when community is being used as a manipulation tool for control, you know, and this idea that you get to be a part of something by exiling other things or by behaving in a certain way, um, you know, that true true love and true community really comes from a place of full and complete acceptance for who you are as you are. And yeah, uh, you know, if you've, uh, if you've never seen Fast Times at Ridgemont High, um, or maybe you have, and it's been a while, I mean, it's, it's a heavy movie. Like, it's so funny that, you know, so many people remember it as this like light hearted stoner, like, you know, flick, because it's a, it's a really heavy movie, um, you know, dealing with a lot of stuff and like pressures to have sex. The girl like doesn't even really want to have sex and like, yeah, and getting pregnant and dealing with abortion and, and all of these things. And like, yeah, and parents that are just clueless and, um, and, and I thought it was great in, 
in the uh, the movie about the movie <laughs> Dirty Dancing how the writer talked about how um, you know because they wanted to take the abortion out of that movie and it was an intrinsical part she wrote it that like the abortion was like the key piece it was why the main character did the thing you know like it unfolded the story it could not be taken out because she thought it was such an important thing to be discussing and and you think about how many people for the last like 30 years have seen that movie and rewatched that movie over and over again and i think it is you know i think it's a really powerful way to show how dangerous it is when we do not have healthy safe options to choices um and for those of you who have been listening to me for a while you know the dysfunctional family episode um, that I did back in December talks about how uh, one of my aunts got pregnant really young. She was a sexually abused child and had sex really early on in her teen years and got pregnant at a time when abortion was not legal. That was not even an option. Her option was to go to the convent and have the baby and give it up for adoption or to keep the baby, which she did, um, and be, you know, like ostracized as the the neighborhood whore uh, for, you know, having sex and, and getting pregnant. Um, and yeah, I mean, you know, and there's certainly my family's um, argument. And when I, when I did have my second abortion later and I had more of my family knew because at the time I initially did consider keeping it. So it became more of an open conversation. That's when family members of mine came out and were like, Oh, well I had an abortion and I regretted it, or I had an abortion and I didn't regret it. And, you know, my family was like, Oh, can you imagine if abortion was legal, your aunt Marie would have never had your cousin Jimmy. And wouldn't that be terrible? And I'm like, no, like that's, you know, it's, it played out the way it did. And I'm grateful I have choices and options because I don't, you know, feel called to bring this person um, to this world. So I think, you know, giving people the power to choose. um, I mean, that (sighs) no one knows better than you what, what you really need and what is best for you. So Um, you know, and and giving the proper education so that we really are empowering people to make the best choices and not out of fear. I think, you know, that was such a big part in why condoms became like, oh God, yeah, use a condom, you know, um, because it's like, it was so ingrained out of fear instead of this place of empowerment, instead of, you know, this is an opportunity for you to choose to, you know, engage with somebody else in a way and for you guys both to feel like you can relax because there isn't these concerns about the challenging sides to sexuality. Um, but let's talk about all the fun, pleasurable things, you know, like, you know, maybe if we taught better sex education, we could teach people how much fun it is to have awesome hand jobs and really great oral sex or masturbate in front of each other or use sex toys and do like a slew of sexual things that people could be doing together that don't involve penis and vagina and don't involve any risk of fluid exchange or of, you know, possible impregnation or STDs. Um, you know, instead this idea that like, we should just like take it off the table. I mean, it's just absurd because, you know, we, we well know it doesn't work just like don't do drugs didn't work, you know, telling people not to have sex does not fucking work. Um, and so instead, you know, we're left to like clean up these, these messes in the aftermath and, 
yeah, and I don't think it's any coincidence, you know, that the, the same city is obviously where no one's talking about sex education, have the highest rates of teen pregnancy, and then also make it impossible for you to have an abortion because that's how people are kept poor and stupid. So, you know, I think the most empowering and incredible thing you can do is to be as smart um, and equipped to have healthy boundaries and make good choices as you possibly can be. That is, you know, that is where your strength lies. That is where your power lies. Um, And so I hope you feel more empowered to educate your children and educate yourself and, um, you know, empower your community to really, to learn and grow and, and really think about, um, you know, the choices that, that we're making um, as, as a collective and how they're helping next generations and future generations. Um, I, yeah, I would say, you know, another tool that I, I use often when I work on any kind of release, any, um, any clearing and letting go is the sound a call, A-K-A-L, a call. It is a, a Sanskrit word. Um, it is a call out to death um, in the most beautiful way, you know, in, in the, in the leaves falling off the tree, you know, in, in that, that great natural cycle of, of death and rebirth um, and life ever changing. So, you know, whatever you are shifting through or letting go or making peace with a call, a call is a, a beautiful way to, to help the healing energy. Um, and just know, you know, whatever, whatever choices you make, I, I respect your right to make choices. And I think that is the most important thing is that we respect each other's right to make choices and we have the access to choice options and we have the education to back the choices that we are making. So with that being said, I am Christiane Bella. It is always a pleasure and delight to unbuckle it all, my personal stuff included, um, in hopes that, you know, sharing our stories helps us see each other and realize that we are all all connected in this beautiful world and to be able to witness each other with compassion and understanding. So I am your intimacy architect, Christiane Bella, and this has been Unbuckled. Thank you so much for being here. Blessings to you. Thank you for listening to Unbuckled. You can join Christiane Bella for another program with amazing guests, stories, and advice every week on the Voice America Variety Channel. Be sure to check out our new show coming soon.